a listener production. Hi, 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 hi. Hello. Yes, hi. Oh, I see you over there. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Stop, stop, stop. Thank you guys so much. Welcome to come out wherever you are. This is a safe space for curious people to learn more about the coming out experience. So, congratulations. You are now a part of this beautiful community. And because this is a podcast about the coming out experience, it is only fair that I go first. My name is Sean Zepps, and nope, 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 not happening. <laughs> Get in the sun. Get in the sun. Many mumbling mice. Yep, we're good. Okay. My name is Sean Zepps. My pronouns are he, him, and I am gay. I first came out in early 2000 when I was 12 years old, and I last came out today in an Uber. I feel like this is becoming a theme that I'm like forced to come out in Uber rides. You cannot in present day say that you have a child without the person going something, something, your wife, and then I make a decision is today the day I out myself? And so I did, and then he stopped talking to me for the rest of the ride. Another day in paradise. Today, we are welcoming a brand new member to the Come Out Wherever You Are family, Matt. Matt, please introduce yourself. Tell us when you first came out and when you last came out. Hello, my darling. Thank you so much for having me. So my name is Matt. I'm gay. My pronouns, I actually have no preferred pronouns. So anybody can call me absolutely anything. I'm in my 20s and I've been out since I was 14. So the first time that I came out was to my best friends in high school. And I mean, I know that you said you came out in an Uber like the other day and I feel like that sometimes happens to me. But the last time I really had a special, meaningful coming out that I remember was to my grandma in 2017. So I thought I'd throw that one in today. Matt is all right hey on Instagram and TikTok. He's Australia's biggest glamazon, a comedian, a drag queen, a DJ, and a digital creator. Growing up, Matt always wanted to be a performer. He didn't mind if he was a clown or entertained at kids' birthday parties. He just wanted to be on a stage, honey. Instead, he's done the 2021 equivalent, and that's become social media famous. He started off on YouTube and now has almost 6 million likes on TikTok. Just a heads up, we do talk about violence towards the LGBTQI plus community in this conversation. If that brings up anything for you and you want to speak to someone about it, you can contact QLife at 1-800-184-527 3 p.m. to midnight every single day. Now, let's get back to Matt. I don't know Australia extremely well, so we're going to have to work through this together. But tell me where you grew up. I grew up on the Central Coast, so that's only about an hour and a half north of Sydney. Okay. And so in the 90s, is the Central Coast accepting of people who are different? Tell me, paint a picture for me. (laughs) Darling, it's 2021, and I don't think they're accepting of people who are different up there. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely a little bit of a backwards... um, space. It's it's really strange because like I did enjoy living there and I, I enjoy the fabulous beaches and the mo- majority of the culture is very community driven. Mm. You know, the Central Coast, it's like all or nothing when it comes to the Central Coast. Like everybody 
comes together and is supportive of one another unless you're gay. (laughs) 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 Um, Unless you're different in that way. Mm. So there was a lot of aspects that I really love about the Central Coast. And I remember even up to like two years ago, I was like, you know, I'm going to move to Sydney, but when I move back, you know, it will be to start a family. I want to raise a family on Central Coast. I've now changed my mind. I won't be doing that. Um, But yeah, so it wasn't the best. There's just nothing. Like there's no gay clubs. There's no gay community clubs. I mean, there may be these days. I've now been in Sydney for almost three years. Mm. Um, So I don't know how much has changed since then. I kind of (laughs) just block it out, just block out the time on the Central Coast. But um, definitely when I was growing up, there was nothing. So as a child, did you know anyone who would have fallen into the LGBTQI plus community at all? Uh, not that I was aware of. Okay. Potentially I may have known them, but it wasn't something that was either spoken about. I didn't know. Mm. Um, and there was no one at school. There was no one in my uh, family's, you know, family friends or anything like that. Nothing. So All Right Hey is used to being the first in many categories <laughs> of his life. When did you realize, okay, I am not straight? Uh, look, honestly, like when I was... Probably, I, I always throw out, I throw out the number three all the time. I don't know if I was three years old, but to me, I felt like I was three years old because I was watching High Five. Are you familiar with what High Five is, surely? No. Oh, what? Okay. I've, you know the Wiggles? A hundred percent. Okay. So the High Five was like similar to the Wiggles in the way that it was like five um, cast members and they would just sing songs for kids and things like that. Was and there, there was a this... Minogue in it? No, okay. no. That's young, that's young talent. Okay. Time. I have so much to learn. <laughs> Separate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to do a deep dive Please. on High Five because High Five is like gay culture in itself, but we'll get into that okay, another time. Okay. Um, but anyway, I was watching High Five and it was my favourite show as a child and my parents probably just thought that it was my favourite show because it was very fun and it was made for kids. It was my favourite show because I loved looking at Nathan, which was one of the members <laughs> of High Five. He'd wear these blue singlets with these big muscly arms and I'd be like, oh my goodness. And, you know, like <laughs> that's... That's literally like my earliest memory. Like from my earliest memory, it's it's watching TV and seeing Nathan on TV and being like, mm, I fancy you a little bit. Oh, look at those arms. <laughs> Which is so weird to think about. Like it's so weird to think that it, yeah, I want to say like three, three years old. I don't even know if it's that weird only because I have so many conversations mainly with other women or gay men who all have like an extremely early prepubescent, borderline inappropriate aged crush on some. Mm. For me, like the thoughts I had about Aladdin at the age of six should not have occurred in a (laughs) six-year-old's mind. I was certain we would be together forever. So I I hear you. In your environment, so we, we are painting a picture for people listening here. We have a culture that might not be super accepting an individual who is sure um, that this might be something that he is. Talk to me a little bit about your family environment or your close friends. If you were to have come out at at a really early age, like nine, what do you think, like how would people have reacted? Did you have an accepting environment? Um, Yeah, I feel like I, in the moment, I had no clue because growing up, conversations about being gay and and I just want to say gay because back then like that's the only thing that I knew in my realm you know I didn't know there was a whole a whole community of bisexual and transgender and all the rest of like I didn't know that there was any of that so for me and my experience like it was just like gay or straight back then Mm. and 
I never, we never heard anything about gay people. There was never conversations about gay anything. The only time I remember probably being about nine years old, actually, and sitting on the floor watching the nightly news with my parents behind me on the lounge, on the couch, and I was watching the TV and on the news there was a story about Mardi Gras Mm. and they were showing all the Mardi Gras floats and all the people celebrating, you know, their queerness. And I remember my body just like... (laughs) <laughs> going so so stiff and everything in my body just went so tight because this was the first time I had ever seen or like been in the same space as my parents interacting with like gay content. Yep. So it was the first and so my whole body was just like, oh my God, how don't are they move, gonna like don't move. actually yeah, 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 yeah. Like don't give anything away. <laughs> and anyway, they uh didn't say anything. Like nothing happened. They didn't say anything good. They didn't say anything bad. So at the end of that um, news story, I was exactly the same way. You know, I hadn't learned anything else or any like anything more. Mm. Um, but I think that now, if I was to, you know, like in hindsight, yes, I would have had a supportive. Out, if I came out at nine years old, as you said, mm. like yes, it would have been a, a supportive time. That's great. So. Who is the first person you tell and at what age uh, do you feel that you're ready to speak your truth? Well, I actually don't know whether I was ready because it was in high school and I was getting bullied pretty severely, as we all do. Mm. (laughs) And I was basically just fed up with it one day and had a bit of a, a breakdown to my two best friends at the time, two best friends that I thought were my besties in the whole wide world, which I look back now and go, (laughs) lol. Um, But I thought that they were just going to be like my best friends forever. And I really thought that I could trust them. And so I'd just been getting um, bullied and picked on and they were quite stunning girls. They were probably the the two, you know, the ones that all the boys just wanted and wanted all the attention. So for me to be their best friend, like kind of, you know, was... um, not in their, it was not in their plan. So they were trying to get rid of me in a sense. And so I just remember just having a bit of a breakdown and being like, oh, they only bully me because I'm gay. And the words just left my mouth and I didn't even like intend for them to leave my mouth. And both of them were like, wait, so you're gay? And I was like, yeah, like, isn't it obvious? Like, you're meant to be my best friends. Like, I was just in a state of like, like, support me. Um, And so anyway, that was at recess. And I just, you know, I didn't think that I had to say, please don't tell anyone or anything like that. Of course not. That was at recess. And uh, at lunch, by lunchtime, the entire school knew. And I just remember being in the middle of the quadrangle at school and like literally the entire school just crowded around the whole thing and people like yelling at me asking like I get and I like literally (laughs) like it was like I was holding an assembly like they were all just like wanting this an answer and inside I just wasn't ready so I lied and I said um And I said, no, they're just saying that because we had a fight, me and these two girls. We've had a fight and they've made this rumour up to get back at me. And that was like my excuse because I wasn't ready for everybody to know right now. And I only said it, I don't know why I said it, but I thought I could like trust them. And the entire school was like, all right. (laughs) Like everybody just dispersed. Um, And yeah, then safe to say like I wasn't friends with those two again. Yikes. Now, I know we're laughing a little bit about the story, and I I get the sense 
that we will continue to laugh about a bunch of things throughout <laughs> your life because that is how you make a living now. It's a big part of your personality. But I am wondering if you've ever spent time wrapping your head around. I haven't, which is why I'm asking. This is maybe the fourth time that it's come up in a coming out story that one person shares their truth with someone at a young age and then that person tells the whole school. It's consistent. It continues to happen, this idea of entrusting someone with something. You don't need to tell them not to tell anyone. Come on. We were all alive in the 90s. It wasn't cool. No one wanted to be that damn thing. And if you were, you weren't lifted up and crowned prom king. And so have you ever spent time wrapping your head around why the hell they did that? Uh, Honestly, I haven't because I feel like I have enough to worry about in my life. It's Mm. not for me to kind of sit with those like that. Obviously at the time, obviously at the time I was like, what the F? Mm. Like I was like, no, I just couldn't believe that they, I I thought it went without saying that, you know, not to keep it a secret to just like not tell anyone, but just everybody, like literally everybody, as I said, they were the two most popular, prettiest, everyone wanted to listen to what they had to say. You know what I mean? And they just, I thought as well, like one of them had a gay brother. And so I thought like, this is safe. I just thought they, yeah, you know, I just thought that they would understand, but evidently not. And um, have I, you know, at the time, as I said, yes, definitely. I thought a lot about the situation, but if I've ever tried to like wrap my head around it, I just don't think it's for me to wrap my head around. Mm. I just, cause from that moment I went, I, you know, bye. We're not friends anymore. Clearly I was <laughs> wrong and, and, thought that I could trust both of you, but I couldn't. So from that moment, I don't, I'm just someone who just like doesn't mull over the past. Okay. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. happened. Let's move on. Let's get two new best friends and see if we can trust them. You know mm. what I mean? And, and just like move on because I've always been someone who just doesn't want to, yeah, dwell on the past. So I grew up in a similar environment to you, kind of outside of a city but I am interested, around that instance, you're sure. But between that time frame and the time that you start to kind of uh, feel really comfortable telling everybody, how are you able to explore your sexuality in a place like that? Uh, not at all. Okay. <laughs> like, like, point blank, not at all. Um, so I, I did... When I say I came out as gay to those two girls, that was the first time I came out, definitely. But I actually went through a whole self-discovery, like, o- over the years, I've been many different things. Mm. So I know it's not a sexual sexuality. And I can't pinpoint when this happened. It could have been that day at the assembly. Well, not the assembly, you know, when everyone crowded around me. Could have been that day. It could have been shortly after because people were still asking questions, but I actually came out and again, I know this isn't a sexuality, but I came out as metrosexual Mm -hmm. (laughs) as like a way to, for people to like, like, no, I'm not gay. I just like moisturizing and doing my hair, you know, like that was kind of like a buffer for me. Like, like I was like, no, I'm straight, but I just take care of myself, Mm. you know? And I mean, who was I kidding? But that's kind of like one thing that I tried to use to cover up the fact that I was actually gay. And then I ended up coming out as bisexual yep. to um, everybody or or a bit confused. Like when I was ready to come out and tell everybody, you know, all my friends that is, um, we'll get to the parents and whatnot, but to my friends at school, I think I came out as like gay, but mm, not sure. Cause you know, they have a million questions. They come at you like, so will you never 
be with a girl? Like, do you never want to have a girlfriend again? Like, what, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm bisexual. So then I was bisexual. And then there was a period in my life where, like, I just wasn't interested in having sex with anyone. So I was like, am I asexual? Mm-hmm. And so then I told my friends, I think I'm asexual. And then on the in a deeper dive of, like, coming out stories on YouTube and things like that, someone mentioned demisexual, yep. which is more when you need to feel an emotional connection with a person before you can feel a sexual connection. And... I went, it was like, ding, ding, ding. I was like, oh my God, that's me. Like wow. I'm demisexual. Like that's, that's exactly how I feel. And now I just identify as gay because I think I've, that's just what I've decided on. That is the, I don't, I no longer feel like I need to have um, an emotional connection with someone before sex. It was definitely something in my younger years. Um, but then I grew up and I moved to Sydney and I... <laughs> Had lots of, of non-romantic <laughs> relationships that were yeah. sexual. Yeah. So that was kind of the journey. And you know what? I also say as well, I could come out again. Mm. Like I could be something new in a, in a year's time, in five years' time. Like, like I've literally in my brain, and although I didn't come out every single time, every single step of the journey, like I've come out to myself like six times now and gone, oh, hang on, I'm actually not this, mm. I'm this. Um, and now I've just settled on on just plain, plain old gay again. <laughs> so you decide through all of those journey, uh, those different transitions, those different coming out moments that you're gay. At what point do you tell your parents with confidence that you believe you are something? So I think I was 15 at the time. So we're jumping back now because mm. all of those self-discovery things have happened over the years and uh, so, and like the, the course of my life from 14 to now and I'm 20, almost 27. And when I told my, I told my mum first, well, I told my sister first because I'll tell you the whole story. Please. I was 15 years old and you have to remember, I'd already gone through the whole school wanting to know, then saying no. Then I've told my friends and I've been okay with the whole school knowing. So the whole school knows. Mm. And as we were talking before, everybody likes to tell everybody everything. So I feel like a lot of the students had told their parents and the parents were talking about it. And it was like this big conversation. Mm. And so it had trickled down to my sister who... I think was uh, still in primary school. So I think I was in year, I was in year nine. Yeah, I know I was in year nine. And my sister was in year six at primary school. So we were at different schools mm. and people were talking about it. Um, and basically my sister came into my room and was just talking to me and she goes, you need to get a girlfriend because everybody thinks you're gay. And I was like, well, I am. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, well, I am. And she was like, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, my like, goodness. I was like, oh, okay. Um, you know. I'm like, not lying. What the, what the <laughs> hell? You're, like, we're meant to be best friends, siblings. Like, hello. And um, she goes, no, you're not. And I was like, well, yes, I am. And she goes, if you are, go and tell mum. And I was like, Jesus Christ, whose side are you on? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, give it a rest, Joel. Um, anyway, I was like, fine, I will tell mum. And I walked out to the living room where mum was on the exercise bike and she's pedalling away, she's pedalling away. And I just took a deep breath and I said, mum, I've got to ask you something. 
And she said, yeah, what, sweetie? She's pedalling away. She's pedalling away. I said, would you care if I was gay? She's like, no. She's pedalling away. She's pedalling I said, well, I am. The pedalling stops. <laughs> <laughs> she stopped pedalling. She's just stared at me for a good five, six, seven, eight minutes, it felt like. Yeah. But it was seconds. <laughs> and she's just looked at me. She's just computing. And then she was like, Oh, okay, sweetie. Yeah, that's good. Like the highest pitched voice. <laughs> the highest pitched voice. And she's like, okay, come and sit down and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. And, um, you know, we just had like a general conversation, blah, 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 blah. She's trying to hug me. I'm like, mum, you're sweaty. You've been on the exercise part. Like, come on. <laughs> um, but she basically, long story short, said, you know, a mother, she said, a mother always knows, which I mean, uh, I just want to put out there. There are lots of mothers that maybe don't know. But my mother said, um, a mother always knows and I just knew ever since you were little, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of what we spoke about. To be honest, the entire conversation apart from that and one other thing, um, which was uh, she actually said to me, she had a friend who was gay and would I like to talk to him? Do I Mm. need to talk to him? You know, things like that. And I said, no, I said, no, I didn't need that. Um, because as well, I'm, I'm not sure how the experience is for most people, but you've got to remember we had 800 students at my school and they all knew I was gay. So coming out to my mum, although it was ter- like it was tough and it was hard, um, realistically there was already a 1,000 people who knew I was gay. Mm. So to me, I didn't need to talk to anyone because I've already been dealing with it. My mum just didn't know that I was already dealing with it. Yeah. Um, and so... She just kind of took, went down the whole like, do you want to see? Do you want to see like a counselor? Do you need a therapist? Like, do you, do you? And I was like, no, like I'm literally fine. Like I'm living my best life, doll. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't really need any of that. But my mum took it very, very well. Um, she did get a bit full on for a little bit because as I started to start going to parties and things, and you know, about the sixteen, seventeen when I was 16, 17 years old because I came out to her when I was 15. So it was like she the news had just broken and then I start to really start going out and things like that. She got quite worried and she got quite, like, overprotective and she just didn't... Like, I remember um, I made my MySpace, and I think it was MySpace back then, could have been Facebook. I made the my bio, like it says, interested in men, women, neither, both, whatever it says. Yeah. I said interested in men. And that was a whole, th- she was like, you can't put that on the internet because, you know, people will um, not be nice to you. And it was always like, oh, I, she didn't really want me going to parties and stuff because she literally said to me, I, like, you're going to end up in a gutter because, like, people don't like people like you. And, you know, at the time as a teenager, like, it was really full on for me to hear that. And I was just a bit like, F you, mum, I just want your support. Mm. And now that I um, can look back in hindsight, like I'm like, I I have like respect for her, although very dramatic. She, at the end of the day, only wanted to protect me and was very worried about me. And I think the other thing that I have to do, because a lot of the time it's always about us, like it's about me. Like I've come out, give me like what I want. Like I have to remember that like my mum was going through that as well. Do you know what I mean? And so I had to respect that her reaction or whatever it may be, um, is hers to have, you know, and, and, and thankfully it was a pretty good reaction. 
And although it was full on, yeah, as I said, at the end of the day, she was only looking out for my best interest, but I just didn't understand that at the time. I was like, F you, I want cruises. (laughs) 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 I want to go out and and get drunk, (laughs) mum. I have to say, I know that 26 is not young, but to hear someone be that mature and understand, I don't know many people who can look at their coming out experience, float above it in retrospect, and then understand and appreciate what that person was going through. I don't know that I've heard another adult talk about the fact that it's not just your coming out story. I think it's really important we hold space for it. All of us harbor, or not all of us, obviously, some of us harbor a lot of animosity, anger about people saying things a specific way, reacting a specific way. And I think what they forget is that everyone up until the 90s thought gay equals death, like quite literally. And it wasn't a hypothesis. It was like in the Sydney Morning Herald. (laughs) And it was usually, and if it was in television or in a movie or in a radio show, it, it was not pretty. It was like, they're the gay best friend in a movie and they say dumb shit. Uh, they're a transgender person who's in jail, right? And so little little Matt and little Sean are like, well, wait a second, just like accept me fully, raise me onto a float and fucking give me a parade because <laughs> I know who I am now and it's not so easy. So I just, I have to give you a moment of praise. I don't know what it took for you to get there or if you've always had that in your head, but I will say anyone who's listening, try your best if you can to put in context that person's life experience, where they came from, what it took. And remember that Matt and Sean and anyone who might be queer might have had months or years to come to terms with it. That person is having seconds. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? That's what made me, That you know, you said, how did I kind of get there? That thought. For one one day I was just thought to myself, like, I knew from my earliest memory, as I said at the start of this podcast, since three years old. So I'm coming out at 15. So for 12 years, I've known and I've sat with that. And although my mum said, you know, a mother always knows, like, I've just confirmed it to her four minutes ago. Mm. You know, and and even a year later when I was going to the parties and she's saying things like, I don't want you, you know, I don't want to get a call from the police that you've, you're in a gutter, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, she's only, it's, it's a year for her. It's now 13 years for me. So I think that that's kind of what made me realise is like, yes, I'm, you know, it's, I've thought about it for so many years, but, you know, these people may have only, this is the first time that they might even be thinking about Mm. it, you know, for those people who don't. I mean, I was pretty flamboyant and I was in the school musicals and I was, you know, know, I was fabulous as a child and growing up. And, of course, I didn't, I tried to hide a lot of it, but at the end of the day, like, I was just kind of expressing who I was and I I was um, a dancer and I was always singing. I was always just being a big show doll. So the point is, is like, yes, there were like clues, but the people who you wouldn't even know, you know, Mm. there's people who you wouldn't even know identify as what they identify as. Um, Sometimes it might be a shock to the system for someone and that's okay. I love it. I'll be honest with you. The story one should be turned into a movie, mainly because I just want to like hear her <laughs> jazzercising and then you being like, okay, and her turning. Like I was, my if you could have seen me, everyone, my jaw was fully dropped because I was picturing the fucking movie. Yeah. Um, 
I'm also just like, as you're telling the story, like picturing hitting your sister, like, no, you can't. You're ruining everything. <laughs> I was just, it was just like a little bit like, whose side are you on? Like, come on. We're supposed to band together against the parents. That's how yeah. siblings work. Was your dad as easy of a of a story or case? Well, I actually didn't get to come out to my dad because he, basically I, on the first day of year 10, so now I think I'm maybe 16. Yeah, I think I'm 16 at this point. On the first day of year 10, I was uh, assaulted by the school bully, the same guy who had bullied me the, my whole entire high school life. Um, he was the one that I was having the breakdown about to the two girls that I came out with. He was just an, he was just awful. Mm. Um, and he, yeah, bashed me for no reason, um, really just that it was the first day back. He must've had a lot of built up holiday anger and I just apparently looked at him the wrong way. I don't even remember looking at him, but he just went for it from the back of my head and, um, yeah, hit me in the back of the head and I turned around and he hit me in the front of the face. And, you know, like back then I had never been in a physical altercation mm. ever in my life and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to fight back. I literally just stood there and took it and then I fell to the ground and he kept going. And I just wow. took, I just tried more to like, I guess, protect myself than fight back. Like I didn't throw a single punch back and God, I wish oh. Oh, if, we could, <laughs> if we could go back, if we could go back to that day, maybe it would have been a different story. Unfortunately, no one didn't, like none of my friends did anything. They were like, stop, don't, don't hit him. Like babes, do something. Do you know what I mean? Get in. And everybody was just kind of like watching it unfold. Um, And so anyway, I ended up having a whole lot of injuries and broken nose and, you know, my face was busted. And so my parents were actually going through a divorce at the time and my dad and mum were, you know, I was at the hospital and uh, just getting checked up. (laughs) Wasn't in a coma or anything. Like I was just getting a little check up Mm -hmm. after everything was broken in my face. And my mum and my dad was just basically like, why would someone do this to our son? Like, why would someone want to hurt him? Like what, how has this happened? And my mum, I think had some built up anger at my dad over the divorce and was just like, well, your son's gay. Like, duh. Like, hello, if you paid attention, maybe you'd know, like, which my dad paid attention. It was fine. He just, I don't know. I don't know. My dad was like, I've never, I never thought that that was a thing. Never, never crossed his mind that I could be gay, which I'm like, okay, (laughs) each to their own. But it's just, it's just, it's just how mum's like, you know, a mother always knows and she always knew. And my dad didn't have a clue. So I really had like an experience of both ends of the spectrum in in that sense. And anyway, dad was fine. Dad was like awesome about it. There, There wasn't really much to it though, because I was recovering from that attack. And so it really wasn't a time to kind of talk about it. And then we never really did talk about it. But the I have a really great relationship with my dad. And, you know, when I've gone on tour and things like that, I make a lot of my outfits, not so much these days because I'm so busy that I just pay people to make them now. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, I used to, you know, sit at the kitchen table and literally construct with my stepmom. And my dad, you know, dad would take me to Spotlight and I'd be buying Diamantes for my, for all these outfits and costumes. And like I wore to my school formal, 
like a jacket that I just bought from Tarot Cash, like the straightest <laughs> store in the world. And I glammed it up. I put diamantes on it, spikes, chains, diamonds. And, you know, when is this big? And dad's sitting there helping me glue the diamantes on the jacket, you know? So my dad is so, so incredibly supportive. And um, we have a really great relationship. I absolutely love him. But apparently... He just, it just never crossed his mind. I find it so interesting. (laughs) I I actually never judge those people. It is usually men, I will say that, who seem to kind of work their way through life and they just do not look at people's sexuality. Because my dad, for example, didn't really know that Elton John or Freddie Mercury or any of those men, they didn't quite, Liberace, I don't know, straight. He must have a wife behind clothes. It's a performance, right? Isn't it just a performance? I'm like, dad. Yeah, dad. wow. Come on, we can all smell that. But you again, going back to your great insight that is now my life insight, who are those people in that time? What knowledge do they have up until that point? Well, not a ton of references. I don't know. I kind of, I find it kind of beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I don't know what my dad was doing because he grew up in Tamora out in the country and uh, he probably just doesn't even know who Elton John is. Yep. Well, now he does. <laughs> thanks thanks to me. But yeah, back in the, back in the day, like, uh, I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like dad was listening to, to none of that. My grandparents, very, very old fashioned, very, uh, I want to say conservative. Yeah, very, very that. So I, that's how my dad was brought up. How did they handle this? Well, I was saying in the intro that my last time that I came out properly to somebody who, you know, I care about Mm. and whatnot was my grandmother in 2017. And the funny thing is I didn't, again, again, I actually didn't come out to my grandma. Now, I don't know how, I don't know whether she just figured it out. I don't know whether um, somebody may have told her, maybe my dad told her. I'm not really sure, to be honest. But, you know, I was going to Bali on a holiday and um, she just pulled me aside and said, I want you to be really careful over there because, you know, it's a different country and you don't know what a different country thinks about gay people. And I was like, excuse me. Were you on my MySpace? Exactly. It was just one of those things that I just didn't, think was necessary. I was like, you know what? I, I know that my grandparents are quite, um, quite, oh, I'll just put it how it is, backwards. Like mm. they're quite backwards. Like there are some things that they do and say still to this day that are very Pauline Hanson. And I, and I do not agree. And I, but again, I can respect that that's my grand, that's my grandparents. Mm-hmm. That's what they, that's what they think. That's all they know. Yep. And there's no point in me trying. Do they need to know that I'm gay? Well, it, does, it doesn't bother me because I don't know what they're going to say. Mm. I don't know what, what they're going to think. Anyway, so that was the first conversation um, that we had. Now, remind me, do you remember when the plebiscite was? What year that 2017, was? 2017, that same year. I'm trying to piece together the timeline because I think that conversation about Bali happened and I was still like, okay, like she's basically said don't get killed in another country. Like she hasn't really said whether she like supports it or not. She's just kind of said, be careful because yeah. you don't know what those people are like. And I'm like, Grandma, please, I'm going to be sipping cocktails by the pool. Yeah. Like no one's attacking me over a cocktail, darling. It's going to be fine, Grandma. Anyway, <laughs> then we had a conversation where she pulled me aside at a family um, birthday 
And she pulled me aside and she said, now, I just want to let you know that Grandad and I returned our plebiscite, our marriage equality today. We returned it to the post office. We went and we went and put it in the post office. And I just said, ah, well, that's good. And she goes, oh, well, we said yes for you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, good, oh, good. <laughs> Oh, my and heart is racing, like, <laughs> you asked. I was like, where is this story going? Yeah, well, how do you think my I mean, heart I'm felt? sure. Because <laughs> we, we have yeah. a really similar experience. My grandparents on both sides are like Bush supporting, you know, right wing. So I was like, yeah. they don't need to know much, Judge. I'm going to, I'll tell mom and dad. I'll live my life in secrecy. What I thought was if I fall in love really seriously. Then, then they'll have to know, and then you get those opportunities to potentially talk about it. But in that in that specific instance, she showed her true colors there, which is she might not understand, but she sure as hell loves her grandson. Yeah, and now she's very supportive. She calls me. I, I, I like haven't mentioned this in the podcast. So for anyone who doesn't know me, I feel like people who follow me will absolutely know the story. But for anyone who doesn't follow me, um, I've been in a committed relationship with my partner for over two years now, which for me, I never had boyfriends. So that's another thing. All these times coming out to me, I never really had anyone. There's like one or two boyfriends that I had for like three to six months mm. in high school or after high school that my family knew, but like I didn't have to hide my boyfriends from my family because I didn't have any. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so like people like people sometimes think, oh, but like, didn't your grandma ever like see your boyfriends? No, because I didn't have one mm. long enough. And now that I have one, like my grandma, every time she calls me, she asks me how Skylar is. That's my boyfriend, Sky. And she'll be like, how's Skylar going? How's this work going? You know, so she definitely cares and asks about it. And we have, a, we, we do have a great relationship, but um, if she had the chance, she could, she would be voting for Pauline Hanson. So... <laughs> Okay, we're going to pick and choose parts of this <laughs> relate this story. <laughs> so I want to go back because you've talked about performing, uh, making outfits. Now, I'm a fan, so I know your story and your experience. But when you say the word performing, at what point did you discover the art of drag? At what point in your life? And how does that align with uh, your coming out story, if at all? Well, because I grew up on the Central Coast, it was very hard for me to get anyone to come down to Sydney with me and go partying. Obviously, as I said, there's nothing on the coast. There, there's been like um, gay clubs, you know, come out and go within three months because there's just not enough yeah. client. There's not enough people to go support the venues because they've all gone somewhere else because <laughs> there's, there's no point of being on the Central Coast. And so... It was really hard for me to get my friends to come down to Sydney with me to go to a gay club. Mm. Um, you know, I would see, I would want to go and party at a gay club. But the thing is, you got to remember, like, I'm 18, I'm 19, I'm 20. I want to go party. But also my friends want to go party. And, like, I want to hook up with people. But they want to hook up with people. And all my friends being straight girls... No one wanted to go to a gay club because it meant they couldn't pick up. Sure. So, so instead of, you know, putting six girls out for the night. It was me putting up with being in a straight venue on the central coast and they all get to go home with someone. And I'm just like, no, no I'll be just, you know, you know what I mean? Yes. So like, that's, that was very the, that was very what was happening. So I didn't experience a gay club till the first time was after the Lady Gaga art rave concert. I actually went to the concert in drag 
And I had never, I, I watched RuPaul's Drag Race, but I had never like done drag or anything like that. And I just, my friend was a makeup artist and I said, do you want, can you put me in drag for, for Art Rave? And she said, yes. Yeah. So that we made the entire outfit. My stepmom and I sewed it, glued it, made this extravagant outfit with, um, I bought a wig from a drag queen in Melbourne and from like, eBay. <laughs> and, um, you know, I bought heels and I, and I glittered up the heels myself and everything. And I went to Art Rave and, um, then afterwards everyone was like, let's go out. We're here. You know, it's Lady Gaga's concert, the night, the city, Oxford street, no, before lockout laws and whatnot, it's going to be bustling. Like, let's go. And so I went to, um, Ark with my friends that night and, I, they have like little stages in the club or back then they did yeah. just little stages spread out. And I just like got up on a little stage and was just dancing just to the music. And then like the DJ or the lighting guy has clearly seen that <laughs> and put all the lights <laughs> on me. And suddenly the entire club thinks I'm putting on a show. And I was like, uh-huh. okay. So I just, I just started dancing. Like yeah. I just started, you know, doing some moves and everybody was like screaming and going off. And it was just really funny. Anyway, that happened and I was just, you know, fabulous time. And then um, I didn't go to a gay club again for like probably 2018 is when I started going to um, gay clubs because my friend actually said, you know, do you want to go down and see drag? And I said, how do you go down and just see drag? And he goes, it's Thursday night. Like, I'll see what's on on Oxford Street. I said, what's on on a Thursday? Remembering we live on the Central Coast. Yeah. Like, nothing happens no, unless Thursday it's a Friday or a Saturday down. night. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm going, what? The, what there's nothing on, on a Thursday. Like, why would we go to the city on a Thursday? And he goes, it's Oxford Street. There's something happening every single night. And I was just like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what do you mean? And so, he goes, he looks it up and he says, oh, yeah, Ark's got drag for dollars. And I was like, What? Drag, like, what is this? He's like, oh, it's an amateur drag night where, like, drag queens, anyone can get up and, like, perform. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is so exciting. So we drove down from the Central Coast and we went to drag for dollars. And so we watched all the drag queens perform and someone won money and it was all good, blah, blah, blah. And then there was this production show afterwards with, like, professional drag queens. It was just like, I was just in another world. Like I felt like I was at the Lady Gaga concert Mm. and I was in a nightclub in Sydney and I was just like, where has this been all my life? And literally from that night on, we went every single Thursday and then we discovered through meeting people there, Wednesday night, they have a different drag for dollars down the road called Slay for Pay, same sort of concept. So we started going Wednesday, Thursday night. Yes, you did. Then... Through meeting people, people said, "Oh, we'll come out on a Friday because that's when it's really good." So we started going out on the Friday, and it just went on and on. That we ended up going, my friend and I. I mean, at the time I was working at McDonald's, but my social media was kind of taking off. Yeah. So I was only working two days a week, Monday and Tuesday at McDonald's, and then. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and sometimes Sunday, we would be down in Sydney watching drag queens. And I don't mean we're partying and getting drunk. Like, we're literally there just to have a good time and Mm. have a social outing and be around people that we are like, like that, that are the same as us. We just went down for the social aspect. We met so many friends. That is actually how I met my partner, Skylar. And my housemate now I live with, Christina, is his best friend. And, like, we all met through 
going out um, <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but I'm like, I just have so many friends because ev- it's just like a family. Like everybody there is so nice. You don't have to look over your shoulder like you do in a straight you know, venue because no one's out to get you. Like everybody is just mm. genuinely so nice. They're all there to have a good time and watch. Dra- and I mean, how can you be sad when you're watching drag queens love? So yeah, basically one day I just decided to give it a go. Cause everyone was like, why don't you get up there and do it? And I was feeling pretty uninspired with social media. Um, and I was just kind of like, Oh, my creative juices just weren't flowing. And I said, yeah, right, all right, I'll, I'll give it a go, I'll give it a go. And so I got up there and gave it a go. Oh, my God, love. The crowd went wild. I won first place in the competition for that night. And everyone was like, like, everybody was coming up to me and saying, you need to do this. You need to do this professionally. You need to continue. Like, you are just amazing. And I was like, oh, okay, like, thank you. And I thought to myself, like, oh, everybody probably gets told this on their first night. And my friend said to me, no, like, this isn't normal. Like a lot of people actually are genuine. Like people usually go out there in their on their first night and like they're pretty awful. Like oh, you I've were been pretty to those good. nights. They're you know? <laughs> Ooh, you, you, if they say I like your dress, you know I like your dress. Your heels are cute. You know that's the nicest yeah. thing you get. Not you're a star. You should do it for a living. Yeah. So, yeah, basically people say that. I was like, all right. So then I just did it a few more times and then I loved it. Then I started getting bookings and people were actually booking me to do it like professionally. And I was like, okay, like here we go. And then it sort of integrated to my social media. Social media brands were paying me um, to do drag. And I was like, okay, this is great. What happened though was my followers follow me because I'm funny, not because I'm a drag queen. Mm. And they didn't. There was a lot of people, there's a lot of people who love me in drag and there's a lot of people who are like, I don't want to follow you any, anymore because you are a drag queen. You're not a funny comedian like you used to be. And even though I love drag so much, um, I don't know whether I'll like go back to it because there's a few reasons. First of all, I was doing drag right up until the pandemic hit. Pandemic hit, no drag anymore, obviously. Uh, I also put on a lot of weight during the pandemic. Nothing fits anymore. Mm. Um, and the my like the the difference now is I'm back because we've had the pandemic and now we're back. But because we had that, I now am back to square one, where I am back thriving in the audience and watching it. Like I I can't even imagine getting up on stage and doing drag at the moment. Mm. Like I just go, no, not really in my like realm, not really what what I want to do right now, but watching it and like being there with everybody around me, like that's kind of, I'm back at square one almost like I was in in, when we started going down. And so I'm just loving sitting back and watching the entertainment for now. I love this. I do have a question. One of my closest friends from New York is a professional drag queen. Um, And it's come up in a conversation. I just don't know if this is your story or if it's a story that you've heard before. But um, they said, it was harder to come out to my family as a drag queen than it was gay. And I said, that's strange. Why? And they said something on the lines of, everyone just thought it was a gateway drug to being trans. Is that... Did that happen to you? Is that a part of the story? Did you have to tell anyone, I'm doing drag now? Like... Did you have to tell your grandma? Did you have to tell your mom? Or was it just, nope, 
Matt's a performer. This is just another gig. Yeah, I honestly think it was just a performer, another gig, because as I said, like I was putting spikes, chains and diamonds and everything on my formal jacket way back in 2012. I dressed in drag for the art rave. So they'd already gotten a taste. You know, I used to go to concerts all the time. When I went to Kesha, I dressed up like Kesha. Mm. When I went to Nicki Minaj, I dressed up all fabulous and gay for Nicki Minaj. So dressing like that was always kind like there was always an element of drag to me anyway. Yeah. And so I think that the transition, yeah, not not one person really. And it's funny that you asked that because I'd never even thought of that. Like that wasn't really um, anything that I had experienced because, yeah, everybody just kind of went, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it's, like it is like a natural, I guess, progression. Yeah. I think as well like they knew that I was going down and I loved drag. So it, yeah... I don't know. I'm very open with my family. There's not really much secrecy. Like they pretty much know everything. The last thing I want to touch on is something you said in the very beginning of the conversation. It's incredibly powerful. And I haven't actually met many people who, who speak this way, but it's something you say a lot on your Instagram. It's also in your bio and it says there's no preferred pronouns. Talk to me about this. Through your experience of doing drag, have you explored gender? When you say no preferred pronouns, is it quite simply because you're not there yet or are you, you've explored it and it doesn't bother you? You are anything and nothing. Honestly, I know that I don't need to explore gender. I know I'm a cis gay man. For now, I'm gay. I mean, and I, like I said at the beginning of this conversation. An evolution, you know, like, a journey, baby. It could, it could mm. change, mm. you know. I could discover more about myself. But um, I have never really thought that I would need to, like I, I've never really thought non-binary, transgender, none of, like that's never been a conversation. And I speak to my friends who go, you know, at one point growing up, like I thought I might have been transgender because of the way I was feeling. And... Like, for me, I never really had that conversation with myself. The The reason that no preferred pronouns is in my bio is because I literally just, first and foremost, don't care. Um, for me, it's not something that I care about. It is very important to other people and I understand that and I respect that and I hope that everybody puts pronouns in their email signatures, in their Instagram bio Everything. Put your pronouns everywhere. Make it easier for the people who need it to be made easier. But that is not something that needs to be made easier for me. And I honestly don't care if you call me he, she, they, it. Like what? what do, any pronoun is fine for me because honestly, I, it's kind of there because it. The question that I used to get a lot from people on social media, and I've learned that people on social media sometimes although to me or to you or to someone, they might sound like really stupid questions and they might sound like they're being an asshole. But like majority of the time, the questions are actually genuine. Yeah. And they're actually genuine. Like I used to get annoyed when people go, are you a he or a she? And I'd be like, clearly I'm a boy. But then I think to myself, well, hang on, I've got fake nails. I've got eyelashes on. I've got eyeshadow mm-hmm. on. I've got a smoky eye and a, and a bold lip and bron- And, you know, maybe they don't know that I'm a, that I am a boy. 
And so I've kind of been a bit more graceful with that. And that's where no preferred pronouns pronouns came from because I don't care if someone goes, oh, she's fabulous. And I'm presenting as me, like I'm a, I'm a she, I'm a he, I'm a everything. Um, It's, it's more, it's more of a you problem than a me problem. Mm. You call me whatever you want because I don't care what I get called. You know what I mean? Yeah. This has all been beautiful. I'll be honest. I have been following for a long time. And so I've been on the journey and I and I get to see the star and the performer every day, the comedian who continues to go viral through the pandemic to this final day, still getting these moments. But I don't know that everyone gets to see how rich your thought process is. Like, I don't know... There's so many moments throughout this journey where I've gotten to understand how nuanced of an understanding of sexuality and gender you do have, how much respect you have for others. And I think the no preferred pronouns is the same person who also was able to understand when your mom didn't get everything right. Like it's it's one person who looks at the world and goes, okay, love, we're here to have a good time. You're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. And so I hope some people can walk away I'll be honest, and I know you know this is true, that is not the status quo right now within our community. It's very get it all right, hold people accountable. You know, if it's my way or the highway, black or white, you know, pick the box and choose it and go. And so I, I thank you. That's, well, you know what? I truly believe we're going to get there. Like, that, I think that's why I'm a bit different, is I truly believe that we are going to get to a point where we won't have to correct anyone. Mm. Whether that take, like, but don't expect it to happen tomorrow. And no one's going to listen to you if you yell at them. No one's going to listen to you if you call them out and be an, uh, you know, I see all of that and I just can't be bothered wasting my breath like some of these people do. There are ways to, if you just, if you do it correctly, like others I feel will follow. I feel like I am such a, like, there's so many things that I, I guess there's so many things that I'm passionate about and I'm fighting for as well with everybody else, but you don't need to put up screenshots on your story and call someone out and tag them and, and make a TikTok about them and stitch their video and, and call them all these names, like cancel culture, things like that. Like I'm just like not here for it. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think that we can, we can get there without doing all of that because at the end of the day, one of the things that I have said is when something like this happens, some someone gets called out and everybody starts yelling, everybody starts doing statuses, stories, everybody starts getting really angry about it. I always say to myself, I always think to myself, like, you're all yelling, but what are you saying? Mm. Everybody's yelling, but like, what are you saying? What message are you putting out there? Because to me, you're putting out a message that like, we're all really aggressive, because you all look really aggressive, mm. you, you know, and you all look really awful. And the name calling and the things like that, like you're just doing the same thing. And how many times in your life have you ever learned a lesson from someone just screaming in your yeah. face? Oh, never, Joel. <laughs> never. Absolutely never. Final question. There's a young queer Matt listening right now who's figuring out their stuff. Uh, maybe they're gay, maybe they're not, maybe they don't know, but they're listening right now and they're thinking of coming out maybe to their mom, maybe to their sister, maybe to an entire assembly of people at school. (laughs) What would you say to them? What is your kind of coming out advice? Um, I would definitely say to, one, try and have a great support network, Mm. whoever that may be. Um, And I think it's really, 
important, as I learnt, that you you can't trust everybody. So I'm not saying don't tell them. I'm saying just be cautious, okay? Like find the people that you can trust mm. and if you feel like you want to tell them, tell them. But just be wary of their reaction because I told those two people and they went and they went and stabbed me in the back. Yep. And you know what? That might happen to you. Mm. And that's okay because look at me, Joel. Like I'm sitting here like, it's all good. We got through it. And that was literally, I can't do the maths, but what was that? Uh, like 13, 12 years ago now that that happened to me. Anyway, the point is it may go wrong, but it'll all go right in the end. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> know who you're telling. Trust those people. Make sure yeah. you feel like you're in a safe space. You heard it here first. As we said before, just remember that like, everybody's experience is going to be different. You may have known this in yourself for many, many years, but this may be the first time that they're even thinking about it. So just, you know, be gracious, grace. Yeah. Gracious for them as well. Please let that sink in just for a second. I want, I'm going to walk away remembering that. I hope everyone does too. Well, thank you so much for your time. Honestly, just so exciting to get a chance to talk to you and hear more about the person behind. All right. Hey, where can people find you? All right, hey, everywhere on the internet, Joel. Everywhere. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, darling. (sighs) Okay, we did it. How are you guys? How are you feeling? I know that this episode could have brought up some interesting feelings for some of you, and if it did, there are some resources that I think you should check out. So Minus 18 is the first one. They're Australia's... LGBTQIA plus charity. They have a bunch of great resources online. They hold wonderful events and they also offer trainings for classroom and workplaces around sexuality, gender, and creating a safe space for LGBTQIA plus people. They're also all over social. Uh, you can follow them at minus one eight youth and you spell out one eight. And their website is minus one eight.org.au. But They are not a helpline. So if you're looking for support in that way, you can call QLife. They're at 1-800-184-527. They offer a free phone service every day from 3 p.m. to midnight. Um, So if you want to talk to someone about your gender, your sexuality, your identity, relationships, any feelings, that's a perfect place. But if you're feeling really anxious and you're not up to talking on the phone, that's fine. They do have a web chat at qlife.org.au. Lifeline is also available 24 hours a day for crisis support and suicide prevention. So their number is 13 11 14. If you want to be part of the Come Out Wherever You Are community, you can follow us on Instagram at Kawa Podcast. That's C-O-W-Y-A Podcast. You can also follow me. Uh, my handle is at Sean Zeps. That's S-E-A-N-S-Z-E-P-S. Come Out Wherever You Are is a community. And I want as many people within this community, the LGBTQIA plus people, allies, friends, curious folks, I want everyone to have access to this powerful network of people. And the best way for that to happen is for you to share. So if you like this, you can share a link in your group chat, text message, put it on your Instagram story, a little swipe up link, do whatever you want to help get the message out there. Come Out Wherever You Are is presented by me and me alone. No one helped me in the creation of the show. I'm kidding. <laughs> my name is Sean Zepps, but there are three wonderful people that we need to shout out. Um, my producer, my number one, Lindsay Green, our executive producer, 
Jennifer Goggin, and our audio producer is Darcy Thompson. Listener.